house of the Lord. Good to be back here at Freedom Fellowship. You know, uh, just so you know, I, I ran into a lot of different people and said, Hey, I remember you from back in the day and so forth. And then I had a few people, I heard them saying, Who's Bobby Chant? I don't know. But we've been coming around here for quite a while. About uh, I think my first trip here, dot to my first trip here in ministry was about, I don't know, 30 years or so ago. We've been around here for a while and, and been doing some different things. And I met... Uh, Met uh, Wes and Casey back in those days, and then met Pastor and Mary Lou. And, uh, you know, they had a vision to start a church. And so we talked about it, prayed about it, and they started a church uh, downtown in a little thrift store over here. Does anybody remember that? They had some services in the thrift store, and they had me come and preach on a Sunday night for them at the thrift store. I think it was Dot and me and Wes and Casey and Pastor and his wife and four or five others, you know, amen, kind of pushed the thrift stuff aside and just had some church in there. But how many know we're not to ever despise small beginnings? Amen? Hallelujah. So we had us a, a hold-down service there that night, and I remember telling Pastor, I should not have prophesied this, but I remember telling Pastor, you know, someday, Pastor, this church is going to grow, and it's going to get huge, and you're going to be so big, I won't even be able to come preach for you anymore. But lo and behold. Amen? So, so it's been great, but uh, uh, then, then Pastor called me, Pastor Harold called me, Sometime after that, we were in town, and he said, Hey, uh, I, want you to come, I want you to come look at something with me. I said, What is it? He said, There's a Verizon building downtown, and it's empty, and we're going to believe God to get it. I didn't want to tell him that was too big for God. Amen? So I just played along. I said, like, Praise the Lord, let's go down there. You know? So he brought, brought us down here. and Man, this building didn't look like this, did it? It was just a big shamble. And he brought me in some kind of crazy room, dotting me, and he said, right here is going to be the stage. You're going to preach from right here. And I'm looking around thinking, really? Is this... How many know God is faithful, amen? He brought that dream to pass. He brought that vision to pass because of your leaders and, uh, and what they believe and how they stand in faith. And I just, as I was back in the back this morning, just asking the Lord everything he wanted to say, God, God showed me a vision and showed me a purpose that if you're a part of this church this morning, and you've got a dream or a vision you're believing for. That same anointing is on you to take those dry bones, that old Verizon building, and see it raised up into this fantastic house of worship. Amen? Don't give up on the dream. Don't give up on the vision. I was reading just the other day. Though the vision tarry, wait for it, for it surely will come. Amen? Hallelujah. That's all free. That's not even part of the message. Amen? So... So the Lord just kind of dropped that in my heart back there earlier. And I want to, can I show you something that's really special to me? Uh, some of you are going to think this is kind of crazy, but I got this little, little blanket I run around with. I, I look kind of crazy sometimes, a 66-year-old man boarding a plane with his own blanket. But <laughs> Back on September 1st, I got a call from the doctor and got diagnosed with cancer. And that'll, that'll kind of uh, kick you in the stomach, amen? But, but we just began to believe God, and the uh, pastor wrote me a note and said, Hey, we've got a prayer team at Freedom Fellowship. And one of the things, is there a prayer team here? Anybody? Probably? I heard them in the back today. I'm telling you, they were beating up on the devil back there. I was like, whoa. But he said, we want to send you something. He said, they, they get these blankets, and they pray over them, and they anoint them with oil. And, uh, and send them out to, for the sick to sleep under and have. And man, I got that thing in the mail. I took it home and got it on my bed, praise God. 
Not one night since then have I gone anywhere that I didn't sleep under this prayer blanket. Amen. It's anointed. It's prayed over. There's healing in it. It's a prayer cloth. Amen. A point of contact, if you will. And uh, so I take it with me wherever I go. And anybody here old enough to remember that old American Express commercial? American Express, don't leave home without it. Yes. So I sent Pastor Harold a picture of me in a hotel room with this in my suitcase hanging out. And, uh, and so I just want to thank the prayer team and bless all you guys for this and such a great gift. And wouldn't you know when we got it home and put it on the bed, it perfectly matched our bedspread and stuff. Isn't it crazy? God not only knows you need prayer and you need answers, He knows what color your bedroom furniture is. It's awesome. So give God a big hand for that. Amen. Smells good too. Woo. So I just kind of wanted to point that out and make a couple of little quick announcements before we get into the Word this morning. Uh, I have some family here, not just spiritual family, but physical family. Some that drove up from Marble Falls and Austin area and family that lives right here in San Angelo. And they're on the front row this morning. I'd like to have them stand and give them a big hand. Amen. Come on, guys, stand up. Praise the Lord. Now you see why it turned out so good, right? My older brother right there. Anybody got an older brother? Just a couple, three. Taught you how to get into all kind of trouble. Amen. So. So they're all here this morning, and uh, we appreciate them coming up, came up and got in the hotel. They told me they were coming. I was like, really? So they enjoy being in the presence of the Lord and enjoy being at the house of God and especially enjoy this church as the Lord's poured out His Spirit so much. Amen? And uh, speaking of family, my wife Dot Chance is here, and I want to have her come up and share for just a minute some things on her heart. Amen? Is there some steps over on the end or each end? Okay, I'm going to help her up. Would you help her up, brother? My wife, Dot, and I have been married uh, 46 years as of January. Praise the Lord. I know you think, how did she put up with that guy that long? But if I mind my P's and Q's, we're going to at least make 50, amen, and, and hopefully 50 more. So you'll have to turn her up. She's not loud and obnoxious like I am, so praise the Lord. So i got to turn this off. so great to be here in the house of the Lord with a bunch of people crazy about Jesus. Yeah. You know, Bobby asked me to share with y'all um, about, we haven't been here in a while, so you may not know, we've been making trips to South Africa, and our lives are totally wrecked just for the people of South Africa. I had a friend... Um, Bill, you may remember Sandra Berry Young, and uh, she was a missionary to South Africa for 22 years. Well, Sandra, I served on her board, and Sandra went home to be with Jesus a year ago, September, and I was sitting in my office one day because, and I was just praying, you know, what to do about the work she had been doing in South Africa. We, we thought we would just you know, kind of closed down 
the ministry, uh, finish out some of her projects. And I was praying, Lord, how are we going to get these Christmas gifts to the orphans in South Africa? It was too expensive to uh, try to ship them, and it took way too long. And I just really felt that I heard that still small voice say, well, why don't you go? And I was like, me? And uh, because Bobby goes out on all these adventures to other countries, and I'm happy staying at home praying for him. And, <laughs> and uh, Bobby happened to come down the hallway, and I said, come here, I want to ask you something. Do you want to go to South Africa and take gifts for Christmas for the kids? And he said, sure. So we went, and I really, like I said, I thought that was going to be it. And the Lord broke our hearts for the people that we met in South Africa. We uh, were able to go into the townships where you can't go unless you know somebody in there. It's just not safe. We went to uh, Pastor Anthony's church, Maranatha, in the Orange Farm. And he has 16 orphans that he's taken in. And he has a creche, a daycare actually has two now, and they've got over 80 kids that um, they minister to, and so we took, we took them gifts, and they were, they were so happy to, to see us and welcomed us there, and they were so sad that um, we had lost Sandra, that we know that she went on to where we all want to be. So um, Bobby and I didn't say much to each other that night. Because the Lord was dealing with us. It's like, you need to carry this work on. You need to come here and minister to more and more people. So we made three trips that first year. We're getting ready for trip number four in July. We've been taking teams with us. And every one that has gone with us has said that they thought they came, that they went so that they could help the kids and the adults that we ministered to. Uh, God has taken us into different townships now. Uh, we've expanded um, what Sandra had been doing. And uh, I want to tell you about Pastor Nelly in a little uh, township called Lahai, where the, the roads are red dirt. And uh, Nelly is just amazing. She preaches with her baby wrapped in a blanket around her body and I I haven't figured out yet how they get how they get that to stay so um, (laughs) but it was so amazing Um, the last trip that we went Pastor Nellie told had said that she told her congregation God has proven that he loves us because he brought people from America down to this little church on the red dirt road and uh, it's just uh, we we've all come away blessed and can't wait to get back there um, and Bobby you were just talking about don't give up on your dream um, but we've had a vision for about 15 years to have a thrift store for the ministry as a point of contact for people in our local community and it's just never been the right time and I've always been encouraged by my sister Melba here. Uh, she's uh, worked in some thrift stores, and Jerry too. And uh, you know, they 
They love what they do. And it's just an amazing opportunity for um, for us to be able to reach out and have people come to us, uh, not just out on the streets, but people come to us for help. And um, it's also a support for the ministry. But God suddenly opened the doors for us to open, uh, we're calling it a benefit store, uh, to open a benefit store. We just opened Friday. And, you know, as our vision came together much greater than we had expected, uh, it just so happened that a Christian bookstore was going out of business. They donated about $75,000 worth of store fixtures, and which I had been looking around trying to find store fixtures going, okay, Lord, uh, you know what we have need of, and never found anything uh, that we decided to go out and buy and because God already knew the need. And we just thank you for uh, praying for us. I know many of you have been praying for Bobby and... We just believe the report of the Lord. So. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Give God a big hand. Amen. I just happen to have a little short video of some of the Africa ministry if you'd like to see it. And also, we're going uh, back again in July, taking the team over there. We have two or three spots left, right, Don? If anybody would like to join us. So uh, take a little shot, a little view of this short video and see if it's something you think you might want to do and kind of see how we're doing it over there. To keep us in prayer. Amen. So if you could show that first little. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. So if you feel like you'd like to join us on the trip this summer or at any time, uh, just contact Don after the service. Another way you can uh, help in South Africa, we have Bibles back there for sale. $5 Bibles. You can buy one for yourself or you can buy one and we'll take it for you to some of the missions trips. And then we have these little... Uh, Prayer bands, reminder bands. They say Jesus loves you in uh, English. They say Jesus loves you in Zulu. You can buy one of those. Remember to pray for us. And then we have all our CDs and everything back there uh, if you'd like to check that out. Amen. Can we give the Lord one more good hand clap? Hallelujah. If you would this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2.9, and I want to begin there. 1 Peter 2.9, I got a call this morning from Pastor Harold and Mary Lou. Uh, they were on their way back from a trip, and, uh, uh, you know, he gave me some pastoral counseling over the phone before the service, and uh, it was a deep prophetic word, and basically what he said was, Bobby, this is Harold, man, tomorrow, uh, in the morning, today, just let it rip for Jesus, amen, that's what he told me, so I'm going to see what I can do, amen. First Peter chapter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Amen? God has called us not only out of darkness, but where? Into His marvelous light. And He has called us to do one thing, to show forth the praises of our God. We do that here at the Freedom Fellowship. We do that in certain situations, but... I'm wondering today if we shouldn't get a new anointing, a fresh vision, a fresh urgency to take that vision, to take that praise and worship outside the four walls and take it out to hurting lost people outside these four walls. Amen? That's my heartbeat. That's this church's heartbeat. You know, there's a lot of churches in the city, and I've spoken in most of them, and each one has their own 
anointing. Each one has their own vision. Each one has their own character. But every one of us have a vision and a call to not only know the Lord, but to make Him known. Amen? Many years ago, Dot and I did a lot of work down in Mexico, uh, down in, uh, around the dumps in Tijuana outside of San Diego. We'd go into Mexico and we'd feed the children who lived at the garbage dump there in, in Tijuana and we'd take them Christmas gifts and we would do praise and worship. There's something about doing praise and worship to children at a garbage dump that'll just get more Jesus in you, amen? Matter of fact, I was speaking in the church in Texas we lived in California, uh, West Texas here, and it was a full-blown kind of a, a more of a traditional Pentecostal church. You know, everybody had on suit and tie. I mean, Sunday morning, you put on your Sunday morning best, amen? You go to Sunday meeting clothes, and so they're all dressed up suit and tie, and it was beautiful, and I had on my suit and tie because I knew what they were going to do. See, I know y'all are kind of casual around here, so I got on like my wild tennis shoes and, you know, crazy evangelist socks and stuff. Because that's what y'all are about. You're about the freedom, amen? So anyway, uh, uh, I noticed there was a young boy there in the service named Micah. Micah was five years old. And Micah was the pastor's grandson. And Micah had on his suit and his tie and had the goop in his hair. I mean, he looked like he was going to preach that night. I mean, he was... And he came down to the altar before the service. And I saw little Micah down there praying and calling out to God, you know, five years old. And uh, I was really impressed and touched by that, his just childlike faith, you know. And, and so after the service, it was late, Pentecostal, you know, we're all swinging from the chandeliers. Oh, it was awesome. Anyway, I love doing that, do y'all? Ceiling fan, you could grab a ceiling fan for the Lord. And just... So anyway, after the service, we went out to the best restaurant in town. At that time, it was the Dairy Queen, you know, and... Uh, so we started into the Dairy Queen, and we're all just kind of marching in there. And little Micah, five-year-old, was right in front of me. And suddenly he just turned around and walked up to me, and he put his hand on my chest, and he just said to me, Brother, I just want to speak some Jesus into your life. <laughs> I said, Micah, bring it, brother. Just, man, he shandala-dada, and he did all kind of stuff, you know, speaking Jesus into my life. That's what we're here today, to do one to another and from the pulpit. Just speak more Jesus into our life. i got to tell you, if we got more Jesus, we got more love. Amen? If we got more Jesus, we got more grace. If we got more Jesus, we've got a brokenness and an urgency to see the lost one to the Lord. So down in Mexico, we were doing these outreaches, and they had a little church on the border there, and the pastor had gotten run out of his denomination because he got filled with the Holy Ghost. So they couldn't fire him, but they sent him to the worst place in town. How many know I love going to the worst place in town? Because that's where God just pours it out, amen? And so we hung out with him and got to know him and, and did a lot of trips down there. And one day I got a phone call from his daughter, Martha, and she said, uh, Brother Bobby, my, my dad is dying. He has cancer. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, and I prayed with her. And she said, he just wanted me to call you and tell you that he loved you. He loves your heart for the Mexican people and for the children. And he just wanted me to convey that message to you. I said, okay, well, thank you and tell him I love him. And uh, not too long after that, I got another call from Martha. And Martha said, Brother Bobby, I wanted to call you today and tell you my father passed on. He's in heaven now. I said, well, I'm sorry for your loss, but praise the Lord. Amen. 
It's like Billy Graham said, and I saw recently, someday you're going to hear that Billy Graham died. Don't you believe a word of it? I'm more alive than ever before, just in another residence. Amen? So she said to me when she gave me the call, she said, my father said something in his dying words that I want to tell you. How you know it's important what a man might say in his last breath, his dying words on his deathbed? And so Martha told me that her father was in the bed. They just had him there in the home, you know, not a hospital. He was in his bed there in the home, and he was slipping into heaven. She said it was like he was unconscious, and suddenly he just woke up, and he said, bring all the family in here. So she went and made, got his wife and the other family and, you know, extended family. She said, my father had something important, he said, on his last words, and I want to tell you what they were. I'm, I'm hanging on the phone. i got to hear this. She said, my father, Pastor Velarde, gathered the family together, and his last words before he slipped into heaven were this. He said to our family, Jesus is coming soon. Now get to work. Wow. She said that was the last words he spoke, and then he slipped into heaven. Jesus is coming soon. Now get to work. I have a title for this message this morning, and it's simply that. Jesus is coming soon. And how many you know there's work to do? Amen? Amen? I remember one time I was preaching, I was animated, and I was doing something in a church one time. And after it was over, a lady came up to me and said, Brother Bobby, uh, I don't know what you're so excited about. She said, I read the back of the book, and we win. <laughs> I said, ma'am, guess what? I read the middle of the book, and there's a lot of work to do. Amen? Jesus is coming soon, so get to work. Over in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 4, 16. How many are still glad you came to church? Amen. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah... And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, these words in my Bible are written in red. Anybody got red words? That means pay attention. Red words. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he closed the book, and he gave it again unto the minister, and sat down, and all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Don't you find it amazing that the first thing Jesus said was, in this passage, reading from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's called me to preach the gospel to the poor. That should give, you know, I think of this passage as like a footprint, a blueprint of Jesus. Why he came and what he did and what he wants us to do. Preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Remember that back in the day when we had the WWJD? Everybody had WWJD? Matter of fact, y'all got to be careful around here on these little towns. I got pulled over last night coming up. I was on cruise control and still got pulled over. I don't know if they needed... I don't know what happened, but anyway. <laughs> Bless God, I got. he let me go. I, I was doing 70 and a 60. I had my cruise control on, and I, 
When I saw I was coming up into town, I tried to hit cruise control, uh, let it off, and instead I hit Siri on my steering wheel, and she's saying something about Montana or something, and there's red lights flashing behind me, and I'm trying to stop the car, you know. So when the cop came up, I said to him, Officer, I'm sorry, and I told him my story. He's like, you can go. Never mind. But anyway, WWJD, one day I was in, in Los Angeles, and I was driving the car, and I have a bad habit of making a U-turn just at a split second. And I was in an area I wasn't familiar with, and uh, uh, I decided I needed to go the other way, so I just made a little U-turn there in the city in Los Angeles. And as I did that, I happened to look over my shoulder and noticed a Los Angeles uh, Highway Patrol or policeman had made the same U-turn, and he pulled up behind me, and he hit his lights. Woo! You know, LAPD, they're tough, man. And so he comes up to the car, leans in the window. Do you know why I pulled you over? I was like, no, sir. He said, you made an illegal U-turn back there. I wanted to say, well, so did you. You... I ought to give you a ticket. I'd seen too many Rodney King videos. I didn't say anything. I said, uh, I said something. I, I didn't realize that I'm not familiar with this part of town. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to... And, of course, he goes back to the car and runs his computer. Do you ever wonder what they're looking at back there? Like, I think they got, like, your eighth-grade test scores and stuff, you know. My teacher says it's going to be in your permanent record. He's going to find it on there. Finally, he came walking back up to the car, and he had that ticket in his hand, you know. And just as he reached in the window to hand me that ticket, like my wrist just did, his shirt rode up. And I noticed he had a band on that said, WWJD. And when I saw that, I wanted to tell him, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't give me this ticket. But I didn't. I just took the ticket and said, thank you, sir. Went on about my business. What would Jesus do today here in the city? He'd be preaching the gospel to the poor. He'd be out in the highways and the hedges. He'd be preaching here at Freedom Fellowship. He'd be out in the highways and hedges compelling them to come in because that's his pattern. That's his DNA. That's why he came. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Amen? I've heard it said everything outside of seeking and saving the lost is like rearranging the furniture while the house is burning down. The urgency to see people one to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you a little quick story? As Dot mentioned, you know, I've done a lot of traveling around the world here in the past few years and uh, I try to go to the craziest places I can think of you know whether my sister Melba says brother I'm praying for you you know it's going to be t-. she she keeps me covered up in prayer I don't know what would happen to me but and Dot as well but they had this earthquake in Indonesia and uh, so uh, I took a team over to Indonesia and we went out on the streets there in Indonesia to help people from the earthquake and we just kind of used the earthquake as a reason to show up. And then we bring Bibles and all kind of things. So we're in Indonesia, and I failed to study the fact that Indonesia is the largest practicing Muslim country in the world. Hard line. So when I got to Indonesia, they had us pray over people under the bridge, living under the bridge. And then they took me to a leper colony. Anybody ever been to a leper colony? Went to a leper colony, and they had me pray over lepers. And I remember this one man... 
he had lost part of his fingers his ear had fallen off from the leprosy and uh, we went into this leprosy camp they had him walled off and I just went up to him and took him by the hand I said hey brother I came all the way from America to tell you God loves you he hadn't forgotten about you we ministered to him and did the did the uh, uh, leprosy camp and then we took a little plane and went into the jungle area of Indonesia and we went way up in the mountains where they had the earthquake and we took Bibles and we preached out in front of mosques and everybody kept wanting to take our picture I thought they thought we were the Beatles or something so you know we'd pose and you know rabbit ears with all these Indonesian people out in front of these mosques what I didn't realize was they were taking all that video and pictures to send to the police as evidence against us what did I know? So we preached out there and led people to the Lord. They said, you mean God, Allah? We said, no, greater than Allah, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. You can't come to the Father anyway but through Jesus Christ. Amen. They'd never heard that. They'd never seen a Bible. So we gave them Bibles in their language. And, and then we're coming down the hill and these kidnappers tried to kidnap us. Or kill us or put us on YouTube. I don't know what they were going to do. I didn't want to hang around and find out. So they, they pushed us over on the side of the road and they were riding motorcycles. Little mo I call them ninjas. They're little ninjas all over the van. So I had two friends with me that were former Marines, veterans like my brothers here, and uh, they bounced out of the van and confronted these ninjas on motorcycles. What's going on? What do you want? And uh, I don't know what they said because I stayed in the van. God gave me wisdom, right? Marines, you go get them. I'm going to stay right So as I'm sitting in the seat, you might have seen pictures of Brother Bill Henderson, that big muscle guy. Y'all remember the power team? When all of, he was part of that. He's sitting to my left. I'm in the middle, and a Muslim driver's driving our van. And so the, the ninjas come up to the driver and said, if you leave, we said, go, go, go. They said, if you go, Allah will kill you. My friend Bill reached over and hit the driver on the arm and said, if you don't go, I'm going to kill you, amen? <laughs> so anyway, we're in this situation. Suddenly, Marines start throwing ninjas and motorcycles. Go, go, go. And we took off, and man, they chased us down the mountain, stoned the van. It was so bad, it totaled the van. We had to get another ride to the city while they were still catching up with us. And so we get down to the city, and the pastor leans over to me and says, I just got a call from the military police. I was like, Really? He said, yeah, they want, to, want us to come in there and talk to them about all those Bibles we gave away out in front of the mosque. I said, I'm not going. <laughs> Have you know over there, if you don't go, they come get you, amen? So they came and got us and arrested us in Indonesia for preaching the gospel. And uh, my wife had had a little check about me going to Indonesia. Guys, listen to your wives. Wives are like, Amen. She had a little check, and, and my sister's punching my brother. Had a little check about me going, so I had to get on the phone and call her. And it was about midnight in California, and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm making chili for a cook-off at the office tomorrow. I said, are you anywhere near a computer? She said, I can be. What do you need? I said, can you look up the U.S. Embassy in Jakarta and give me the number? <laughs> She's had some weird phone calls from me, but... She's like, sure. I told her later, it's like I'd ask for the number to Pizza Hut. She didn't flinch. She's like, okay. But then she said, why do you need that? I said, we're kind of under arrest over here in Indonesia. Anyway, so this went on for a while, and uh, 
It looked like they weren't going to let us go. They wanted us to sign a paper that said these men, when they came here, were in good condition. I said to them, what condition are we leaving under? <laughs> if we came in good condition, I want to go back in good condition. But the Lord worked a miracle, and one of the pastor friends there told the police, said, put your cameras down, shut everything down, I have something I want to tell you. So they did. He said, I have something very important. And when they put the cameras down, he gave them his testimony. And after he got through this testimony, these police detectives and policemen, military, one of them, the captain, had big tears in his eyes. And I'll never forget, he said this, I'm going to let you go because it looks like you're just doing your job. Amen? Just doing our job. We're just getting to work, getting the word out, getting Jesus out, getting the kingdom out in the places they'd never heard of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard it said by a great soul winner, while the church argues and debates the second coming of Jesus Christ, two-thirds of the world hadn't even heard about His first coming yet. Amen? <laughs> they still have arrest warrants for us there in Indonesia, and I got invited back. My wife's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Wisdom, amen? <laughs> but what would the Lord do? Jesus is coming soon, now get to work. In 2 Corinthians 4, Verse 1 through 5, it simply says this. Now, I'm going to take about five more minutes here of our time today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It's on page 1,396. I'm still trying to, trying to find it. Second Corinthians. I'm in 1 Corinthians. No wonder I can't find it. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, how many know we have a ministry? As we've received mercy, we faint not. We've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost. Church, if we hide the gospel, if we hold back the gospel, we're hiding it from people that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, unless the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Jesus is coming soon now. Get to work. Back in early 1980, my wife and I worked with a ministry in Hollywood on the streets called the Holy Ghost Repair Service. Repairing broken lives in the power of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, my brother Bill came out and helped us work there for a while. Imagine uh, me and a cowboy from the oil fields of San Angelo area out on Hollywood Boulevard telling people about Jesus. He has a big cowboy hat on, his lizard boots. And it was an awesome sight. I got a picture somewhere of us doing that. But anyway, my friend Charles McPheeters that started that ministry got cancer and he passed away at the age of 38. Keith Green died, and three days later, my friend Charles died. Two great mavericks for the Lord. And I was in Charles's hospital room just before he passed. And he was quiet. It was really quiet in there. And suddenly, just like Pastor Villarda, he sat up in his bed. And he said words I'll never forget. He said, Jesus is coming soon, but God, we need revival. And then he just kind of went back to sleep. Within a day or two, he had gone home to be with the Lord. You see that theme? Jesus is coming soon. Get to work. 
Jesus is coming soon. We need revival. Jesus is coming soon. I've got loved ones that need to be reached. I've got friends that need to be reached. I've got neighbors and co-workers that need to be reached. Not just Africa and the Philippines and all over, but right here in my town, right here where I live. I'm glad my sister Melba had a burden for me when I was in high school. Because she went to church and they had a week-long revival. And she hounded me and hounded me and hounded me to go to this revival. Jerry, when she gets on something, he's not here. When she gets on something, she's not going to let up. Amen. So finally, I just went one night just to get her to leave me alone. It doesn't matter how you get people to church. Just get them here, amen? The church will do the rest. I'll never forget the message and uh, how that began to plant a seed in me to do the things that we do today. Jesus is coming soon. Get to work. Jesus is coming soon. We need revival. Isaiah 60 says this, Arise, shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Amen? Gross darkness shall cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you. I believe today as we close, I pray for an urgency of the gospel. I want to show you one more short little video, and then we're going to have an opportunity for you to be prayed for. We're going to have our team come up here in just a minute. If you need prayer for anything, if you say, hey, I don't even know the Lord, I need to get saved, come up here. If you say, I know the Lord, but I'm in a backslidden condition, come up here. If you say, I know the Lord, but I need a healing, come up here. If you say, I know the Lord, but my family's torn apart, come up here. These guys are going to pray over you. We're going to lift you up before the Lord. But let me, let me do just a quick little throwback video. You know, our ministry now is called J316 Global Rescue. Back in the day, it was called Streetwise. Anybody remember that? Streetwise Ministry. So this little video will take you back a little bit, and then uh, I'll come up, and the prayer team, if you'd come up, and we'll... Pray over people and, and close out the service. Amen? Do you have that other short little video? Matter of fact, some of that Indonesia stuff, you'll get to see some of the beautiful policemen that we got to deal with. So, All right. How many of you guys were blessed today? Amen. Well, I want to go ahead and have the ministry. I know we're uh, almost wrapping things up, but minister team, just go ahead and stand up here. Now, as you were hearing Bobby's testimony and you're in worship today, if if you just felt like I need to do some outreach, I need to, I just need to get out and, and maybe you're thinking, well, I can't go to Africa or I can't go to India or whatever, but you feel a stirring for outreaching or ministering to somebody in need, uh, I want you to come forward during this time. Uh, just say, you know what? I feel a stirring in my heart. I want to do something different. I need the faith. I need the boldness. Whatever it is, if you feel that stirring in your heart, it's really... Uh, Bobby's an evangelist. He's an outreach, okay? You don't have to go to Africa, amen? You can start here with your neighbor. Can you do that? With, with those at your work. Or guess what? We also have a food pantry here, outreach. Start stepping into it as the Holy Spirit is moving you. So, Father, I pray right now, those that are being stirred to do something different, that are, that are wanting to make an impact in somebody else's life because they have compassion and, and, and sensitivity to the things of the Father for those individuals. Father, I just pray for a boldness. I pray for, for just a connection, just a, just a baby step, just to take a step of faith today. That they're going to take a difference, uh, make a difference in taking that step forward. So, Father, I thank you for that stirring right now. So, if that's you, go ahead and come forward. Uh, uh, just come up here and they'll pray for you, lay hands on you. Maybe they can connect you with another group. Another thing is, today, 
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day of salvation. That's what the Word of God says. So if you are in doubt, if you just don't know and, and you're confused and you're broken, come up for prayer. Somebody can lead you and show you the way, the truth. Because he says, if you believe in me, then I will save you and deliver you. But you have to confess with something. The Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, right? And believe in your heart. So maybe you're just thinking, yeah, I believe in Jesus. You're thinking that in your heart and your mind. But today he says, I want you to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I want it to come out of your mouth. The Bible is very clear about speaking life and death. Speak life today over yourself. Jesus, you're my Lord. I surrender all, all the brokenness, all the shame, all the condemnation, everything I give to you. See, that's what we're confessing. We're saying, hey, I'm giving it to you. I don't want to hold on to this junk anymore. I'm tired of being held back. I want all that you have for me. Okay. And then this last cause for an offering for Bobby. If, if the Lord's touched your heart in a way that you want to support him, you may not be able, you may not be an evangelist like him, okay? <laughs> right? Dot said she likes to stay home and pray for Bobby, right? Well, you can help uh, them financially by sowing into the ministry that God has called them. But also, Bobby's been going through some cancer too, right? So there's other needs. So what better way to bless them financially, right? I know it was a blessing when I was going through cancer when people sowed into my life. I didn't have to worry about the finances. I could get well. So, Lord, we thank you for the resources of the kingdom, Lord. Father, we thank you that everybody in here has the resources of the kingdom. As we submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. Lord, we thank you that we can honor you with everything that we have, Lord, our mind, will, and emotions, Lord. Father, our health, uh, everything that we have is yours, Lord. Help us to be about the kingdom business as we leave this place today. Help us to establish the kingdom of God in our workplaces, in our family, Father. Let's say, get thee behind me, Satan. We are seeing transformation. We are seeing joy in our homes. We are seeing health in our homes. We are seeing restoration over our loved ones. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you guys be encouraged today? Come back next week. Pastor will be back. I'm sure he'll have something awesome to share with us. I hope you guys have been blessed today and enjoy your afternoon, all right? Amen.